Welcome to the Why We Serve podcast from way out west in wonderful, wide open Wyoming. And as the deer and antelope play, we will ask and hopefully answer, Why We Serve. Thomas, how's your week going so far? Hey, Kristen. I'm doing well. It's, it's weird, isn't it, running the podcast without Dan and Hugh? Yeah, I really hope I did that intro justice. No, I think you did it. You did perfectly. All right. So. All right. Sorry. Uh, so this week's icebreaker. If you could add anyone to Mount Rushmore, who would it be and why? Well, I, I wrote this question, right? And then I realized I hadn't the foggiest who or what I'd add. Um, I, going by the presidential theme, I'd probably go by FDR. He, he did a lot of good. Um, uh, he kind of set the framework for the work we do today. Um, and, you know, he was in a wheelchair the whole time. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, but if, it was, if I was free of like kind of being stuck with only choosing presidents, I'd probably choose either, I don't know, Mark Twain for his contribution to like American literature or uh, the McDonald's clown. I'm not sure. <laughs> I like the, uh, what is it, Ronald McDonald? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The clown would just be good, yeah. <laughs> An American icon, truly. Yeah, I figured the, the, the clown hair would be easy to carve, just make a big circle. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> I guess I don't, I'm going to circumvent this question. Uh, I like it, but I think after seeing the Mount Rushmore and the area itself last weekend, actually, I think I would actually add to the uh, crazy horse. Um, just for all the funding? Yeah, I would just like take all the funding and add to that monument. Um, I think it's great what they're doing there. It has an awesome museum. They're starting a school that's specifically dedicated to um, American Indian services and education. And I think it's phenomenal. So I, I think I'd, I'd put my money towards that and leave Rushmore as it is. <laughs> that's really cool. I only got to see Crazy Horse from a distance as we kind of drove by, actually on the way up to the Legal Aid Wyoming staff retreat. Um, which gives me a nice segue uh, to introduce our guest this week. This week, we welcome Raymond Machia, the Executive Director of Legal Aid Wyoming. Founding Legal Aid Wyoming with Rick Martinez and Julie Hernandez in 2008, he's developed Legal Aid Wyoming from a bare-bones three-man operation into the essential component of access to justice that it is today, overseeing more than 20 employees as they look to represent those that cannot represent themselves in the state of Wyoming. From others that require representation in domestic disputes to residents facing eviction to defending others against aggressive debt collectors, Legal Aid Wyoming is often the last line of defense for those seeking civil legal justice. Ray, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, thank you. Yeah, if we could direct the icebreaker question towards you, who do you think would hypothetically deserve to be added to Mount Rushmore and why? Uh, if it was up to me, I would add uh, Barack Obama for the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> with the provision that they would have to do it in black granite. Wouldn't that be interesting? Have all the white faces in a black face? That would be good. We'd have diversity finally on Mount Rushmore. That yeah. would be fine. That's a cool idea. I like that. Yeah, I, I think the lugging up the black granite might be an interesting engineering task for sure. <laughs> That's true. Be worth it, be worth it for him. Yes, it would. I do think in the future that is going to be something that is going to be his lasting legacy. He was the one that finally got health care for Americans, as long as it isn't destroyed in the next few years. <laughs> uh, 
So, Ray, as Thomas mentioned, you were one of the founders of Legal Aid Wyoming. Uh, what was in place before acronym LAW, uh, convenient, and how effective was it in helping the legal needs of those within Wyoming? What were some of the biggest challenges uh, in building something like this from the ground up? So uh, prior to us, there was Wyoming Legal Services uh, was in place, and they had been in Wyoming for well over 30 years. Uh, and at, with a little bit of the history with Legal Services Corporation, way back when in the 60s, uh, there were two or three, I think there were three legal aid offices in Wyoming. Uh, there was one up on the reservation, there was one in the southeast area, and then uh, there was one in the West. And then those uh, organizations were all forced to combine around the 80s. And so as part of that combination, they combined into Wyoming Legal Services. And that ran on a shoestring budget uh, until they finally lost their funding in around 2009. And once they lost their funding, there was no legal aid organization in Wyoming, uh, no federally funded legal aid organization. So that's when I came up. I actually started working right out of law school in 1996 for Wyoming Legal Services. I was a staff attorney there. And so I ran the Cheyenne office and I saw many of the problems that they were having uh, with grants, with funding. And I eventually uh, left to private practice and I watched unfortunately as Wyoming Legal Services imploded. And so as they lost funding and lost uh, all of their clients and everything else that was going on, I decided uh, that we have to somehow save this. So I put together my own 501c3 and then started soliciting for grants from the federal and state agencies. So that's how it all started. Uh, as far as some of the biggest challenges, uh, the money, that was the big one. Once you get the money rolling, it's not bad. But at first, if you don't have the money, People expect you to pay up front and ask for a reimbursement afterwards. That was my biggest shock. I figured if we got a million dollar grant, I'd have a million dollars in my bank account. And no way. I get a million dollar grant if I can figure out how to draw it all down. That was the biggest shock. So you've got to do the work first and then bring it in. So we had to start slowly. And just like I generally do, I try to go too fast. So that was my biggest challenge is to pace myself, go slowly, build it as we go along, not try and get it all together all at once. <laughs> when you're so excited and passionate about something and just having to reel it in a little. Right, exactly. <laughs> that was the hard part with legal aid, of course. And of course, when we took over, uh, there were so many people that needed help. I mean, it hasn't really changed since I took over in uh, 2009 is when I started the organization. Uh, but, you know, at that point, there were people calling. Uh, we had a number of clients, probably a, a good hundred or so, uh, that were actively being represented by the old program when they went out of business. And so we had to take that over and figure out what to do next and get them representation and get things moving again. Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely one of the, the biggest, hardest parts of it and trying to help people. And that still continues to be our biggest struggle, is trying to help all those that need it. I, I think last year we did 2,700 calls that came in. There is no way we can get 2,700 attorneys. 
I mean, in the entire state, I think there's about 3,500 attorneys. So there's no way we're going to get 2,700 pro bono attorneys. So we have to figure out better ways. And I think that's still the struggle that we're dealing with. Uh, how do you help these people get help through the court system? It's extremely complicated. Uh, and how do we help them on, either on their own or through limited representation or forms? What is the best way to do that? I still don't think we have a good answer for that. Yeah, it really is quite a, um, a terrible quandary um, that I think afflicts most of America. Um, when I first, first started reading, uh, working in uh, Ecojustice Wyoming, I got given a book by Angie, Angie Dorsch, who's the director of, uh, uh, Eco, uh, of Equal Justice Wyoming uh, Foundation. And she gave me a book called Rebuilding Justice, um, which kind of describes some of the civil problems that America faces. And what, I think a lot of kind of these nationwide problems are just exacerbated a lot in Wyoming where we have a very kind of like a disseminated people, none of which really want to ask for help. And also there's a great need for help because there are so few safety nets within Wyoming. So um, obviously there was, there is a extreme need in Wyoming for legal aid, but given the kind of immense sacrifices must have taken on you for your time and for your money, because you just came from private practice into setting up this, this all on your own, like, um, what kind of motivated you specifically to do this, to make this kind of sacrifice? Uh, well, I saw the need. Like I said, I, I had worked at uh, Wyoming Legal Services as an attorney, and the need there was overwhelming. The people who were just walking in and trying to get help, uh, we couldn't keep up with those people, let alone the crushing numbers that are calling in for services. So then when I saw uh, the old program go down, something had to happen. Um, and in all honesty, nobody else was doing anything. So it was either I do something or um, there would be no legal services program in Wyoming, at least not for a couple of years. Right on, right, uh, right after 2008, right after the financial crisis. And just when people need help the most, it's just, it's all gone. Right. right. Interestingly enough, though, right after we started, it really started the ball rolling with a number of other projects. Equal Justice Wyoming started up right at the same time. Mm. And so did the Access to Justice Commission. So that is one thing I have to say about our state. Uh, I was really impressed. I didn't think I was going to get assistance from anybody. Yet everybody started coming together and saying, how can we help? What can we do? Let's make this better. Let's get the funding going. Uh, there were a number of organizations that came, you know, in here. Uh, Holland & Hart was a big one. Uh, you know, they're a big law firm in town, and yet they stepped up and did a white paper for us, got legislation through the legislator to get the $10 filing fee to help support legal services organizations. So they really got that moving. And then, of course, uh, Equal Justice Wyoming sprang up and they became a major grantor in the state. Um, so, you know, like I said, overall, everybody came together and they did what they needed to do to make this work, which is really impressive for our small state. And like you said, a small state where uh, people pride themselves on taking care of their own and not asking for help. And yet all these people came together to help those who really aren't even, you know, they really seemed to want it at some point, um, but definitely the need was there. Fantastic. What was one aspect that you didn't expect when you were setting this up? Um, I didn't expect the numbers. I 
had no idea it was that overwhelming. And, mm -hmm. and keep in mind that 2,700 people that we talk about are the ones that are qualified. That doesn't include all the people who call that are not qualified. Uh, so we have a ton of people. Um, and I also didn't expect it to be so hard. I mean, the simplest things are so difficult. Uh, for example, in, they're different in by county. In the county of Laramie County, you have to file a precipice when you're doing a petition. It's the only county that you have to do that. Yet nobody can tell me what a precipice even is. Uh, from what I understand, a precipice simply is, I got to file this piece of paper saying that I'm filing a petition. Why? You only have to do it in Laramie County. And if you don't know that, your petition is going to be rejected in Laramie County. So if you're doing that on your own, uh, you don't even know what it is. You didn't file it. It's not in the packets. And then you file it and it's rejected. They say, well, you need a precipice. You say, well, what's a precipice? Well, I can't tell you that. You got to talk to a lawyer. <laughs> what does that do? So it's frustrating things like that constantly that are happening. Um, you know, the same with uh, my husband didn't answer on the divorce. Well, now you got to do a default packet. What's that? Well, you got to do all these forms. Why? Why is this so difficult all the time? Uh, one of the things, though, that I have seen when you get away from the state court system, like in tribal court, um, you know, tribal court has a joint divorce packet where both parties can sit down and fill it out themselves, sign it, and they're divorced. We can't do that in state court. Why can't we make it that easy? State court, it takes you a good year to get a divorce. And if you have kids, a year and a half to two years. Whereas tribal court, fill out the proper paperwork, you can get it done in 30 days. So it's frustrating things like that that I see. Uh, and when you start to see all the different avenues that you have to go through, all the different forms, uh, all the different hoops that you have to jump through, depending on what type of case you have, that is frustrating to me. And that was a big obstacle that we're still trying to overcome. And you know, even with our attorneys, we're constantly having to train them on the different aspects. And well, you gotta do this in this county and this in this county. And if it's this type of case, you gotta do this. This is different than this type of case. But yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, that's incredible. It must be must be very useful then to kind of have lawyers nowadays within the different counties to be able to kind of give you that local knowledge so you don't run into problems like that. Yes, that helps a lot. And then as the uh, judges see our attorneys, that helps a lot too. You start picking up those little nuances from each court that are different mm -hmm. everywhere else. Yeah. Well, if I, if I can take the conversation back a little bit, you mentioned how the uh, Wyoming kind of came together in the wake of 2008 to set up all these organizations that create all this help for people. And so that kind of brings me to asking, well, what about during COVID? During COVID, while most of the country shut down, it seems like Legal Aid Wyoming stepped up. Um, I, I know you guys accepted almost a thousand more cases in the year prior and you helped out when Wyoming needed, needed it the most. So how did the office stay running through COVID when so many other places had to shut down and how big, or at least like reduce their impact and how big of a role did the hotline play in maintaining Legal Aid Wyoming's capacity to help remotely? Okay. Uh, well, when COVID hit, we let everybody work from home. So we made sure everybody had a complete office. Uh, if they needed chairs or desks, uh, we made sure they had that. We made sure everybody had a laptop or a desktop at their preference at their house, along with at least two monitors. So we set up a complete office at their house. 
We took them out of the office space and set them up at home so they can continue to do work. Uh, the court was great. The court became very flexible and everything went online and in Zoom meetings. Uh, so court continued to happen. Uh, so the attorney would still get ready. Uh, they would make phone calls from their house and then uh, you know, have client contact and prepare for court, do all the pleadings at home, and then uh, prepare and go to court through Zoom or uh, whatever their online meeting uh, chat was through that particular courtroom. Uh, but that all went fine for our attorneys. Not much of a difference for them. They still kept the same caseload. However, the hotline is the one that really changed. And uh, we, I just had a report to our Legal Services Corporation in Washington, D.C. about the difference between 2019 and 2020. In 2019, our numbers did go down on the hotline. And one of the main reasons was because the other organizations had really stepped up. So now there was um, volunteer reference attorneys at most of the courthouses. Uh, there was an online question and answer uh, portal uh, where clients could leave a message and then uh, attorneys could volunteer and then answer those questions. There was also an, uh, a video chat uh, that was manned by attorneys. All of this, by the way, is being done by Angie through Equal Justice Wyoming. And they also had a number of in-person clinics. So those, in a good way, were taking our clients from the hotline and giving them direct services through a number of different avenues. So that helped tremendously. Then of course, COVID hit in early 2020 and all those services went away. Thus, we got about a thousand more calls that year because of that. They didn't have these other avenues. They didn't have these other places where they could go for help. So they all started coming to us. And also quite frankly, I think a lot of people were stuck at home with nothing else to do. So they would call about whatever came into their mind at the moment. And they would ask the legal questions through a hotline. So I think that was a big part of it as well. Yeah, um, if you don't mind me uh, kind of doing a shameless plug here. Um, yeah, so we do have Wyoming Free Legal Answers. They're a fantastic uh, resource. They're going, we've kind of restored their functionality. So, you know, if you, if you need quick answers from an attorney, please visit that website, Wyoming Free Legal uh, uh, Answers, just search that in Google. Um, we're also trying to get our volunteer reference attorneys uh, back in action. We have them in Casper Roll Rollins and Sheridan. There you go. Um, and so we're trying to get them back up in, in Laramie and Cheyenne just as soon as we can get the bar to help out. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can begin to take some of that workload off, off, off Legal Aid Wyoming again. And those have proven to be valuable. I didn't think they'd be as valuable as they were, but that is definitely uh, that it seems like where people are going for help. Um, and from what I understand from a few of the conferences I've been at, one of the most popular places for legal answers now is Reddit. So uh, that may be something that we should explore in the future, but uh, definitely people are seeking legal advice from Redditors. Absolutely. Um, I'll talk to Angie about that. Um, so I guess during COVID, um, one of the things, and we still hear about it now is uh, evictions and housing and issues regarding that. And so a patchwork of legislation, of legislation uh, both from the state and from the federal government was implemented to help people from being evicted. 
what can you tell us about Legal Aid Wyoming's role in helping people understand and apply these protections against eviction during the height of the pandemic last year? Okay, so uh, that's what we call our ERAP funding, Emergency Rental Assistance Program. And uh, with that extra money, Legal Aid of Wyoming hired four dedicated ERAP attorneys who do nothing but ERAP. And so they are in court uh, just about every week going on evictions and trying to negotiate with landlords to accept uh, the money that's coming in. And, and if you didn't know, uh, the ERAP program will pay for up to 15 months of rent, uh, whether that be back rent, forward rent. Uh, however, um, if the rent is owed, they are willing to uh, fund up to 15 months worth of that rent plus utilities. So the only uh, hurdle that has to be overcome is the client has to obtain an ERAP number by applying through DFS to receive this money. And then uh, the other hard part is trying to get your landlord on board as well. Uh, one of the big issues we're seeing with the ERAP money is that the landlord and the tenant cannot agree on an amount. Usually the landlord thinks it's a lot more because they add in attorney fees and uh, late fees and interest and everything they could possibly throw into it. And the tenant is just counting rent. Uh, so that as we get into this more and more, that tends to be the major issue that we have is the landlord wants more and the tenant wants to ERAP to pay less. Um, but once they do become in agreement, then ERAP will pay the landlord directly and get all caught up on the rent. This really does take away from uh, the tenants uh, unable to pay for their rent because of COVID. So if somebody was out or they got laid off because of COVID, this gives them a chance to stay in their house and get all caught up on their utilities and rental payments and uh, be able to keep them and their family in the same residence. So that's what we've been dealing a lot with ERAP. We've, been, uh, we've had a high increase in the number of uh, landlord-tenant cases. Unfortunately, not everybody qualifies for ERAP if it wasn't COVID-related. You can't get that uh, back payment. It also doesn't apply to uh, people with a mortgage that are paying house payments. Although I understand there is a new program that's coming out for that. Mm. Uh, but for right now, it's just on rental assistance. But definitely, if anybody needs help with rental assistance, at least call our hotline. Let's see if you meet the basic qualifications. We can give you more information and then get you out to uh, one of the intake workers who can get you qualified through DFS so that we can start doing the legal help for you. That's huge. That's must be such a relief to people that are struggling right now. Um, so it's, it's great to be able to offer that kind of service and just have that level of security. Um, and in addition to that, not only is are we receiving money through ERAP, uh, but so are a, different, a number of different agencies that we work with. One example is the senior division. So the senior division has made it very clear to us if we come across a senior that needs assistance with maybe their roof needs fixing or they need new siding, they have extra money. We just have to get them the information so that they can work with the senior to get those repairs made. Uh, they also do things like replacing windows and uh, weather stripping and sealing up their houses. So we've had a number of people that actually have come through us who we've got to the senior division and they've helped them. And it's been uh, like a life changing. I'm thinking of one client in particular that had a small trailer 
and the wind would just whip through it and she had really bad windows and they came through and put in brand new windows and sealed up her house and it's all nice and tight now and it doesn't leak and it's warm. And she was extremely happy with that. And that certainly improved her quality of life. Yeah, that's, that's really great. It really kind of demonstrates the impact. It, it, it's hard to put on paper, especially when they're passing legislation, exactly how much this kind of thing can help people. But when you kind of hear stories like that, how just like helping someone seal up a window just completely changes their life, really kind of puts it into perspective. Right, I would agree. Yeah, the little things. Sometimes, you know, just a few hundred dollars and it's completely changed somebody's life. So that helps a lot. Absolutely. And so you mentioned earlier the legal needs assessment and we were talking about the pandemic. So to you, what did this reveal about the um, civil needs that Wyoming faces that are currently under addressed? Uh, well, what it really showed for me again was that the complexity of the legal system there's got to be a better way. We've got to be able to find a way to make this easier for normal people to resolve their issues. Debt collectors are able to bring an action uh, and send it to the debtor without a proper service and not even file it with the court. And then if there isn't an answer by the debtor after a certain number of days, then they can get a judgment through the court and file it at the same time. So they're able to file it after the fact. There's not even an open court case in court. They just send it to the client. And if the client doesn't respond in a certain amount of time, there's a default against them. There are things like that that happen in the legal system. Unless you know what is happening, you won't have any clue what just happened. You receive something in the mail, and the next thing you know, you have a judgment. That's not fair. Sometimes those basic fairness things seem to go out the window with legislation that comes through or the complexity uh, it's the same thing with divorces. If you got served with a divorce and you didn't answer in 20 days, there's going to be a default and you've now lost. You're now divorced and having to pay child support or lost custody or any number of bad things that have happened because you didn't understand the system. So I think that's one of the big parts of it. Uh, I think all the forms, they have gotten a lot better, but they're still complex and there's still a number of complex procedures that you have to go through in court. Uh, so I think overall, that's what needs to be improved. And I think the judges also agreed on that, on the uh, needs assessment, that it, it tends to be too complex. And they end up spending a good amount of their time trying to instruct pro se litigants on the process and trying to get them through whatever case they have before them. And that's not really the role of the judge. The judge shouldn't be put in that position. Um, by the way, pro se for, for any of our viewers listening, is uh, representing yourself without a lawyer in court. <laughs> well, pro se tends to be the one Latin word that we find almost every client knows. Yeah. Pro se and pro bono. <laughs> uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, but I don't know how else to change it at this point. You know, it's not a simple Judge Judy where both of them appear before court, she yells at both of them and makes a decision. This is more, and especially gets complicated if one side shows up pro se and the other side has an attorney, because mm. then the attorney is just running over everything and pretty much, you know, taking control of the situation, which isn't necessarily fair to the pro se litigant. So I think overall, that's what needs to be changed. I think the uh, needs assessment showed that. But as far as uh, what we need in the state, family law was so far above and beyond anything else on that needs assessment. 
I think uh, you could put everything else combined and it still wouldn't amount to the amount of family law cases that we need help with. So family law is definitely the biggest one. People need help with divorces, custody, visitation, child support, all those type of things that people need. And they, you know, they need it right away in order to deal with these situations. And it's just not anything that's going to be fast. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you there on your point about family law, as well as all the other things you said. Um, I, for every case, uh, for every person asking for advice on the EJW website, trying to find the forms that they need, um, five out of six will be family law related. They'll be for custody, they'll be for guardianship, they'll be for divorce. Um, so I, there is an absolutely a need. And I think um, helping pro se litigants appears to be the direction that is working the most. Um, just kind of creating forms, creating walkthroughs to help people go through. I've received extraordinarily positive feedback on that. And so hopefully, hopefully we're beginning to move in the right direction. Um, right. But I would like to see if I could have anything in the world. I would like to see a court where you have pro se, only pro se. So you could only get into that court if both sides are not represented. And then you would allow the judge or the mediator, whoever you appoint to do that, they would be able to actually help the people come to an agreement, tell them what's going on, explain to them why they have to pay this amount of child support, explain to them what a visitation schedule is and what their responsibilities are. That would help a lot rather than just have the judge make a final decision and try and you know, skirt that fine ethics line so they're not giving legal advice or not helping one side over the other. But if you're able to open that up a little bit in sort of a mediation type of setting, I think that would help a lot. And I know they've tried it by trying to force mediation, but it feels exactly that. It feels like you're being forced into something and these people don't have money in the first place. So they're not gonna be able to hire a mediator. But if you did it through the court, I think that could resolve a lot of the issues. A really interesting idea. I I never thought of that. I guess you really just gave us one of your ideas, but there still remains a significant need for legal representation for uh, low-income residents of Wyoming, especially in some of the less economically developed uh, counties. Uh, to wrap up the discussion today, what are ways that you're exploring to provide increased services in these areas, and how have they gone so far this year? Well, they haven't gone very well because our main uh, way to try and help those underserved areas is to have a, an outreach clinic. Mm. But if we can't do that because of COVID, that really shuts things down. So that makes it more difficult. And we're trying to overcome that by trying to help them through the phone more. Uh, but of course, that's increasing our calls and increasing our workload for our hotline attorneys and our litigation attorneys. Um, but that's ideally how we'd like to get back into that again, have more of those clinics out of those remote areas. And uh, we're getting a ton of calls right now for clinics, for wills clinics. Uh, nursing homes are calling us. We've done a number of veterans clinics already this year. That's how we're trying to help out during the pandemic. Uh, other than an increase in landlord-tenant cases, our next largest increase in calls is for wills and end-of-life documents. Now, of course, that's all in context. Our number one call, of course, is family law beyond everything else. But then after that, I would say probably landlord-tenant, followed very uh, closely by wills, trusts, and end-of-life documents. So we are doing that a lot more. Uh, we are going out to nursing homes, and we've done probably 100 wills already this year. 
and getting to do, I think we've got another four clinics before the end of the year this year. So we're definitely getting those people in and trying to help out and getting those documents done for people and at least putting their mind at ease. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge service that puts a lot of people at ease, which is fantastic. Um, you know, it is morbid, but it's nice to have a plan and make sure that your affairs are in line and just like know that you're leaving your family in good, good hands. Yeah. Um, Ray, are there any kind of like links or uh, social media accounts that you'd like to plug? Sure. Uh, yeah, definitely take a look at us on Facebook. We have a Legal Aid of Wyoming uh, Facebook page. And also look us up on, uh, on a Google search, Legal Aid of Wyoming. You'll find our website. In addition to that, there are a number of state forms. There's the Equal Justice Wyoming website and the Supreme Court of Wyoming website. They both have forms. Um, now, I would say that if we had one thing that I would like to fix in this state is to have one central place for all the forms. Mm. Uh, we used to keep uh, some forms on our website, but we finally took them down because people were trying to find them in all these different places. So I really, um, you know, we had just Angie take care of them. So Angie through EJW, uh, they do all of the forms that we ever had, plus a bunch more. So that's the one thing I would like to see. I don't like it split up. You know, if you need a, uh, a protection form, you may be able to get that through the coalition site. There's counties that have their own specific forms. Uh, so it's just a hodgepodge of where you really have to go searching for things. I would like one central place here. The other thing that I would like to see here that I think would help a lot of people is to automate the forms and to get, uh, you know, uh, you answer a certain number of questions and it fills out all the forms for you. That would certainly help for say people quite a bit. I think that's another project that the state should be looking at. Yeah, there's absolutely a lot of work left to be done. And it's great that you have a vision for what needs to be done too. Definitely a lot of work to be done. And when I look at the other states, I still think that we're uh, very much underfunded in this state. It's my opinion that uh, Legal Aid of Wyoming should have about $5 million as an operating budget. Uh, we're less than half of that now. Um, but I think we need, I would like to see a Legal Aid office in every major county uh, and then covering the smaller counties as well. At current, we only have five Legal Aid offices. It's not nearly enough to cover the entire state. Uh, I would like to double that. I think if we had 10 to 12 legal aid offices, then I think we would be able to provide much better services, both in-person and full litigation services and pro se services. Um, that's what I would like to see. And, and the only way that's going to happen, of course, is if we get more, uh, more money coming in. So that's my shameless plug for that. So if we can definitely get more budget or more funding, that would help us go a long ways to helping the people of Wyoming uh, reach access to justice. You hear that, Governor, who's definitely watching our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ray, for speaking with us today. And to all of our listeners out there, as always, go out and make the magic happen. <laughs>